This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and author and a career and executive coach. And today, I am delighted to welcome Meredith Mailberg to the show. Meredith will talk about finding a career fulfillment in a complicated world. Meredith, welcome. I'm so excited to speak with you today because we are kindred spirits in so many ways. I I can already tell, Carolyn. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I can't wait for this conversation. Me too. Me too. I've been looking forward to it. So I've been doing my my research and my due diligence about you, and I love your work. And, And I learned that for almost 20 years, you've worked with senior leaders to help them look forward to Monday mornings. And my goodness, did that make me smile. So say a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, you know, it comes from my personal experience. I, you know, 20 years ago, I was in a job that was not filling me up. And I went through sort of a moment of realizing that my career was happening to me. And through the gift of working with a career counselor at the time, I decided to take control of my professional life and move in a new direction. I haven't looked back since then. It's really been a, a fantastic journey. But I fell in love with that process myself as a consumer and decided I wanted to help other people who we spend so much of our time in our work when we're working full time and then some. And we deserve to be happy there, happy, fulfilled, successful, working on our terms. And so I have uh, I've spent my career walking alongside leaders who have wanted to redefine their career to have it feel fulfilling. And whether that means growing in place or making a career or job shift, I have been delighted to walk alongside them as they've done so. Well, they're lucky to have the opportunity to work with you. And and I want to pull a thread because you said something that just popped right off the bat. You said that we deserve to be happy in life and career. And that's so true. So many people I know suffer in silence. They're they're not in a happy place career-wise. And they, they don't think that they have an opportunity to make changes, whether they're big or small tweaks. And you write about the wake-up call. The current landscape is really tough. It is a tough thing in our world right now. What are you seeing out there in the trenches with how people are experiencing career frustrations. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yes, I think there, there's some good news, actually, in it, in that the wake-up call is so obviously happening for so many of us right now with the disruption that we're seeing all around us. You know, I don't have to enumerate all the different things, but, you know, I, I follow uh, futurists, and my favorite is David Houle, and he talks about how this, this decade is the most disruptive most disrupted in human history. And that in the next few years, you know, COVID was just the first, the pandemic was just the first of many disruptions. We're seeing this all around us with the rise of, um, you know, AI and um, what's going on, you know, political unrest and with the wars going on and climate, all of the things. It, it The good news is that it is completely understandable if you are feeling like you are having a wake-up call when you have decided that, okay, given the way the world is going, given what's going on, the swirl around me, how do I want to be in my career going forward? Um, that used to be a tricky question to have to answer. Now I find that people don't even have to answer it because it's so understandable. There's so many changes around us that are making our world disrupted and ambiguous. And so as a result, steadiness has to come from within. 
So I am noticing more and more. I mean, in some ways, Caroline, it's becoming more difficult to do the work that you and I do because we're having to hold um, so much um, as people are coming in and, you know, being real with us about what it feels like to walk through their days. So I am seeing more and more a craving for meaning, for purpose, for mission-driven work, for a sense of how do I want to be in my career so that I feel proud uh, if I'm a parent to tell my children what I'm doing? <laughs> how do I feel like I can, can contributing to the larger whole, not consumption for consumption's sake? And so there, there are some opportunities and, you know, quite a bit of unrest for many people right now as a result. I imagine you're seeing the same thing that I am, Meredith, and that it's a multi-generational outcry. And, and this may be a result of, of the post-pandemic journey. You know, it gave us, some of us, a moment to pause and really ponder what was important, what was meaningful for us. But I'm seeing everybody from our young Gen Z professionals to our uh, baby boomers who are still in the workforce really looking for meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Are you as well? I definitely am. Yeah, even down to the teens that I'm raising in my own home. Like, you know, it's really interesting to be watching young people coming into the workforce now and thinking about, you know, they're, they have very different interests and values about, you know, how am I going to feel like my life's been well lived through my career than those of us that are, uh, are you know, further on in our in our careers. But yes, I am seeing it across the spectrum. Um, you know, from those just starting their careers to those reinventing for a second or third act. One of the the uh, chapters in your book that really uh, resonated with me was define your own North Star. But I want to set this up. And I, I, I imagine you and I are in agreement here. So many people freeze when you ask them, what's your passion? What's your North Star? Because that is mm -hmm. such a a heavy, weighty idea. And, and many people are on that proverbial treadmill doing, you know, work, sleep, repeat, and they haven't even taken a pause to think about what really drives them or motivates them or what do they love. And you talk a lot about traps. So I'm going to pause there and let you unpack that because you do it so beautifully in the book. Oh, thank you. Well, so so I'm a former product manager. I'm very much a systems thinker. And over all these conversations, thousands of conversations now with different leaders, I noticed some patterns. And about six years ago, I started writing them down. It's like, they're, they're just everybody's got a different story, but the same things keep happening over and over again. And it finally distilled down to seven things, seven traps that people fall into. And not any one person falls into all of them. You might fall into two of them. You might fall into one. You might fall into five. And it may change over time. But there are strategies that you can use to counteract each of these traps, to get out of them, to reverse the impact of them. And the traps represent sort of a quality or a sense that you need to grow or, or further invest in. So defining your North Star is in reaction to the trap of feeling like you're on everybody else's agenda but your own. And that is baked into the way that the world works and the way that work works. This idea of this 24-7, you know, always on, reacting to who's like, you know, shouting loudest, what's the biggest need. It's really hard to listen to yourself. And so it's not uncommon for someone to come to coaching and say, gosh, I don't even know what I want. Like I've never even been able to think about it. And so getting quiet and getting clear so that you then can counterbalance what everybody else wants and needs from you with what you want for yourself is a very important step. And the ingredient, uh, you know, the sense that you're trying to increase with defining your North Star is a sense of clarity. 
And even if you find that um, you don't relate to, we were talking about happiness earlier, or passion, um, you know, even if it feels more tempered, like, gosh, you know, what direction would I like to work, to, to move in? What would feel meaningful? Uh, this idea of even if you can get to 90% clarity on what, what you like and what's important to you and what you, even if you don't have the required experience to move in the direction that, that interests you, that is so grounding, especially in an unsteady and ambiguous world. So true. Meredith, we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Meredith, before the break, I, I loved how you said people need to get quiet with themselves and, and give themselves space. I think you would agree. It's a noisy world. Everything from social media to, sadly, I mean, the, the horrific things that are happening around the world. COVID is still here. It's at bay in some ways, but but it's still, um, still out there and, and still threatening. So it is a very uh, vulnerable time, VUCA, right? The the uh, the acronym there. So I'd love to talk about how you believe people can take an imperfect action. You know, we we don't have to have analysis paralysis to think we have to be one hundred percent ready. So say more on that. Okay. All right. So taking imperfect action is the strategy that counteracts a trap. I call fixated on doing things right. And that's where we think that, oh my gosh, I can't send out my resume until it's perfect. Or I can't begin to think about doing my next thing professionally until I finish this project. Or, um, oh boy, the optics of this aren't going to look good if I make this move. Or, oh, I can't turn in that report until I get this last piece perfect. Um, any of those things um, can keep you uh, feeling analysis paralysis and stuck. And so the trick is to increase a sense or the, of nimbleness. Uh, and by that, I mean being able to cover more ground with less effort, lowering the stakes for yourself and feeling like you're concentrating on getting to good enough instead of to perfect. Um, I went to a, a conference at Berkeley's Haas School once and 
the one the woman who was the, one of the founders of Indiegogo was talking about being a professional experimenter and she was talking about entrepreneurship but i think it applies here too this idea of putting on your lab coat having a set of hypotheses and saying okay here's what i think i want here's what's interesting to me now here's something i'm going to try and then going ahead and 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 trying some things and figuring out what works what doesn't evolving thinking of it as a journey as opposed to a destination or a one shot deal I think, you know, there's so many different ways to think about this, but imperfect action uh, can take the form of a quick and dirty draft that you do for a performance review for one of your employees instead of slaving for hours and hours or hiring a, a resume writer instead of updating your resume yourself so that you get pulled through it instead of having to um, you know, spend your Saturday uh, taking care of those details. Imperfect action might mean coming up with a few open-ended questions and then getting into an informational interview with someone you've been wanting to meet or, ask, or taking a chance and asking someone for a networking conversation that you've been afraid to approach in the past. It's a, a thousand little steps that you take and then you measure what comes from it and evolve your approach from there. That's the way change happens now especially in this VUCA world. Mm, love that. I, I love the phrase um, 80%, right? Good enough to go. But I learned something. I've been learning so much from you, but professional experimenter. Love that. Love that. Wrote that down. So uh, again, I just, all the nuggets in your book, it's just so rich with action steps and it's a playbook. It's something that people will learn from with very specific action steps. But you talk about invite yourself to the party. Don't wait, right? Don't wait, you know, concerned about the optics or am I ready? So say more about that because so many people think that they can just apply online if they're looking for a career reinvention. And you and I both know as certified coaches, that ship has sailed. Yes. Yes. So inviting yourself to the party means stepping in as opposed to waiting. It's, 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 it goes with the strategy I call becoming your career's intentional architect, which is the exact opposite of being asleep at the wheel. It's really easy to feel like you're just watching a movie that you're in as opposed to, oh, wow, I have uh, agency in this. Uh, for me, when I decided to make the change that I did from product management, it involved me hiring a career counselor and going and spending every Thursday at 11 o'clock with her for about three months to figure out what I what else could I do? I knew I, I wanted to do something else. Uh, inviting yourself to the party on the job might look like at your one, making sure you're having one-on-ones with your manager. If they get rescheduled, uh, you make sure they happen. And then carving out time in that agenda to talk about your career development goals, uh, taking a look at the role that you'd like to advance to, and then comparing the job descriptions between that job and the one you have and looking at what's the delta between the two, and then talking with your manager about different ways to close that gap and ways to get support with you trying and moving into new areas. It might look like uh, volunteering for a project in a another group that is extracurricular, meaning you have to do more work for a while, but it gives you experience in an area you've been wanting to move into. Uh, inviting yourself to the party involves not waiting for others to invite you for networking conversations, but to reach out to initiate those conversations yourself. Uh, it's it's basically don't sit back and think that you know that the stars are going to align and something's going to work out for you. It's okay. What are the things I can do right now to make a difference uh, in in my career trajectory and the direction I want to go? So appreciate that. You've got to roll up your sleeves and get in the game. Meredith, mm -hmm. you and I share um, coaching credentials from the International Coaching Federation, but there's some confusion out there about what 
career coaching is, what executive coaching is. And you and I had a lovely chat before the show about that. Would you please Mm -hmm. share that juicy information with this global audience to help clarify that? Sure. Thank you for asking. Yes, it's easy to confuse. So an executive coach, in my mind, is someone who's working with you often in role, sometimes uh, supporting you with your your leadership development. How do you, um, I often get hired by companies to come in and coach leaders that they really want to invest in. People who have either been uh, advanced beyond their area of comfort or are being prepped for advancement or potentially even are considering leaving the company and the company cares enough about their um, career trajectory um, that they want to invest in them anyways and say, hey, we want to open up a chance for you to look at your career and decide if you want to, you know, continue to invest where you are here because we'd love to have you or but we care enough about you that if you want to go somewhere else, we're okay with that too. So, But executive coaching is primarily around um, leadership and helping you develop your skills on the job and feeling like you're more competent with your communication, your messaging, your gravitas, your presence. Sense, um, the way you communicate, the way you lead, the way you, you, you shepherd your team and drive objectives forward and show up at the leadership table. Career coaching is typically more around how, how do you define success in your career? Where do you want to be going? What's important to you now? Do you want to make a change? Do you want to leave or stay? If you were going to leave, what else would you do? Are you considering a career transition? What would that even look like? Where could you go? If you want a new job, how do you need to put your assets together to make a compelling case for yourself to attract that role? What's, what's delightful about the work I get to do is I get to combine the two. So I'm often working with someone who's, who's in place and doing well in their career, doesn't need to leave, but is thinking about, gosh, what do I want this next chapter to look like for myself? How can I have more of what I want here without blowing up my life? How can I set up future chapters for myself? How can I start a portfolio career where I'm on boards and investing and 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 doing pro bono work and potentially starting um, you know a, a, a practice that I'll use in my second or third act? So it's the two things can work very powerfully in concert. But oftentimes a person is either one or the other. So I'm, I'm delighted. And I think I share that with you, Caroline, to be able to do both. Yes, yes, we do. And we are so grateful for that opportunity. It's invigorating to work with individuals. But thank you for clarifying that because nomenclature is different. Uh, Interestingly, you mentioned in the beginning how you worked with a career counselor. And Mm -hmm. perhaps you can give a, a, a little nod to why that is different. Ah, interesting. Well, and of course, that was that was a while ago, too. I, I feel like that term, you know, you still see it. But uh, someone in career counseling may have a different set of credentials or lines of study. Um, you know, traditionally, when you think about coaching, and you think about counseling versus counseling, um, sometimes um, implies therapy. And in her case, she had um, a master's degree in career counseling, which meant that she could hold not only the agenda for where I wanted to move forward, but anything that was coming up for me as I as I sort of integrated uh, my past into um, my you know my professional future. So. Um, Oftentimes when people like you or I are coaching someone, if someone also has a counselor or a therapist, they're looking, when I was in coaching school, they talked about driving a truck. And if you're in the driver's seat and you're looking back out the rear view mirror, you're in counseling. You're integrating what has happened to you into who you are now. If you're looking out the front window, you're in coaching because you're designing where you want to go in the future. 
Beautiful metaphor. My, I'm smiling ear to ear, even though we're on a podcast, I'm, I'm relating with you 100%. So Meredith, as, as we begin to wrap on this show, gosh, you and I could talk for hours. I would love to hear more about how you believe all of us can benefit from fine tuning our powers of perception. Sure. Yes. So this is another one of the strategies to counteract a trap. The trap is a narrow transactional focus in communication. And so what I mean by that is that it's really easy uh, to get pretty focused on your own agenda at work and to be attending to the tasks that you need to complete, as opposed to attending to the energy in the room and the people around you. And the risk is that you, uh, you you don't pay attention to what actually is the business that's going on in the room. And uh, in the book, I talk about Ramesh. I have a lot of stories in the book. And these stories are about real people. And they all gave me permission uh, gladly to have me share their stories, camouflaged, of course, with confidential information. But M- Ramesh was showing up and driving his agenda as a technology leader and not paying attention to his stakeholders and how they were being with him and how they weren't satisfied with the work. So when he had a three. 60 done by me, it was um, really, you know, unfortunate for it was the first time he was learning that he wasn't seen as a true partner. So fine tuning your powers of observation is uh, tuning in to body language in others. It's uh, coming into a meeting, not only intent on your agenda, but making room for the agenda of others and actually um, having language for, you know, what are we here to do? How will we know that we've done it well? Um, It's having the meeting before the meeting and making sure that you understand the different perspectives in the room. Excuse me. It's also taking a compassionate view of others. If you're delivering a performance review, not coming in and just sort of feeling, okay, I've just got to survive this, but instead being compassionate about how the person you're sharing with is going to have their own reaction. And how do you make room for it to be okay for them to be able to process the information? So it's fine tuning your powers of observation is, is, it's a little bit of a tricky thing to understand. I've got several good stories about it in the book, but we're trying to increase your sense of insight so that you can take better, more focused action on the business really at hand. And one final tip would be to spend your morning, have a little bit of time in the morning where you look at the day and say, okay, how do I need to spend this day to make sure that I get the most out of it for myself, for my team, for my family, for my community, for my company, uh, doing what I call the morning scan. Wow. I have learned so much from you. What a joy to have you on the show. And I want to tell this global audience about your incredible book, Meredith. It's called Your Finest Work, Career Fulfillment in a Complicated World. And Meredith, the book is, of course, available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But would you be so kind as to share a bit information about how people can continue to communicate with you after the show and your website? Because I know you've got some extraordinary bonus materials. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, the easiest way to get a hold of me and to learn more about my book and also get access to those bonus materials is to go to the website, yourfinestwork.com. And there I've got a couple of uh, of tools right at the ready for you to download. So if you've been listening, you're like, wow, I'd like to know where I fall into the traps. I have a self-assessment you can download to identify where are you under-investing and what are the opportunities for you to turn that around so that your career works more effectively for you, whether you're in seat where, where you are and want to stay, or whether you want to make a change of some sort. Uh, I also have a, a quick action guide that can help you there. You can get access to buy the book from there if you'd like. You can get access to my coaching website from there. You can also email me if you'd like to talk more. I invite you also to connect with me on LinkedIn. 
I know a lot of different people and having access first level to me will allow you to not only keep in touch with me, but uh, to meet some great people. Brilliant. Meredith, it's been an absolute joy. I am grateful for you. Keep doing this extraordinary work and I hope our paths continue to cross. Thank you, Caroline. I've enjoyed the conversation. I have as well. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms and I'd love to hear from you. So let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. And a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.